0: Hey Greg, it's been a minute. How are you, bud?
1: Doing great. It's uh, you know, nice to hang out again. It's been a minute, like you mentioned, so it's uh, it feels a little more regular to to ch- jump back on and and hop in and catch up with you and and see what's going on in the in the world of watches and and, uh, and drinks.
0: Yeah, we basically missed an episode because we were so busy with podcast stuff we couldn't do the podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of makes sense though in some ways, like. You know, sometimes it's nice to actually do cool things around the pod than, than the actual pod, and then it gives us some great content to chat about and catch up and share with people. I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just as a as a quick rundown, right? I would say over the past not even 30 days, we we were guests of Feldmar and Tudor for the launch of the new uh, Polegos. We hit the baseball game again with Feldmar, courtesy of Oris. That was uh, the Padres and Dodgers. That was rad. I uh,
1: also went down to the Oris Airstream in the Arts District at the uh, Arts District
0: Brewing Company. Yep, yep. And then you know some other stuff that we'll be talking about here shortly. But I'm gonna t- I'm gonna follow your lead and do what you just did. Let's uh, crack this open. You got you got a
1: better uh uh sound bite than I did. I tried to get a good a good crack, but I didn't.
0: Oh, I just well I'm doing it literally right in front of the microphone. Let's see if we can get the pour.
1: Ooh, that's good. What do, what do they say? ASMR? Is that what they uh Yeah.
0: Wait, don't wreck it. Don't wreck it. Nice. Well, hey, man, let's not spoil it. Why don't we do the uh, the pour check because we're drinking the same thing. What have you got in the glass, buddy?
1: So I've got in the glass a Riff in Time, which is a uh, whiskey barrel aged amber ale from our excellent friends at Overtown Brewing Company.
0: Right on. And same, same. I just cracked open a can of this. This is, uh, as you say, this is a bourbon barrel aged amber ale. The Riff in Time is literally a riff on the the name of the, the whiskey that this came from. This is New Riff. We were fortunate enough to get an empty New Riff barrel donated by podcast alum David Driscoll. If you haven't heard his episode, by the way, go back and listen to that. It's excellent. Talking about allocated booze and allocated watches, but he was kind enough to hook us up with that barrel. And our, our buddies here locally in San Gabriel Valley, Overtown Brewery, were kind enough to essentially, you know, reserve a barrel full of their amber ale. And they basically babysit or babysat. Yeah. Babysat this, uh, this beer for us over the past few months. And it was, uh, it was ready to go about two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one.
0: The color is insane.
1: It really is. It really is. Um, well let's, let's let's get into like the the nitty-gritty of that in in a few minutes. Well let's wrap up our uh, our our wrist check pore check sure and then we'll get into like much more detail about like what that was, who helped us put it together and uh, and how much fun we had sharing it with everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we both have the same thing in the glass, so we can you know, we won't belabor that too much until we circle back on it, but what have you got on wrist? What what kind of watch today, buddy? Uh,
1: wearing the Rolex GMT Master 2 16710 LN um just seemed to go on the wrist today and uh it actually made sense because it was it was the the watch that I wore uh for for a big event that you and I were were really excited about being a part of and 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 sharing a night with everybody which we'll we'll get into more detail and uh it'll make sense why I wore that I guess when we get into that but anyway on the wrist old trusty and uh and matches with the beer
0: Yeah, totally. I'm actually unintentionally wearing something that also matches with the beer. You know, there's some uh, some gilt kind of brown and black accents. This is a really dark body, dark colored beer. Um, But yeah, today for me it is uh, it is the Tudor Black Bay 58. After the the Tudor event, as much as I like that new Pelagos, and I do. You know, if it was money was no object, I'd have just bought one. Um, but it reminds me of how good these 39 millimeter tutors really are and how I probably don't wear this enough. It's it's almost a perfect one watch, you know. If you were kind of a purist, I guess a civilian would want a date, but this thing has got, you know, just the exact right feel. It feels great on wrist, it's not too big, but still has presence, super clean. It's got a bezel. I need a bezel and not much else
1: it 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 really does everything yeah i've got friends that i think that they reach for that for sort of their their you know one or two watches uh, and it's an easy way to get people sort of hooked into the into the hobby um i love that watch it's it's really fantastic um did we have we talked about the pelagos since we went to we have, event? We, no, we have not. We we have not.
0: Yeah, because uh, the last episode we had was with Serge, and then it felt like we just rolled right into just boom, 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 event, 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 event over the past you know couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and, Well, uh, let's let's not let's not beat a dead uh, watch. You know, a, a dead horse into a watch. I, I really butchered that. I was trying to come up with something really clever, and I couldn't. But you know, because everybody's already talked about it. But what were your thoughts on the on the on the Pelagos?
0: Well, I really like it, but it's one of those things that, um, and somebody else has already said this, so I can't take credit for it. I'm going to just try to distill it down as much as possible, but it's one of those where it's almost a little too good where it's, you know, probably for somebody who has one or two watches and wants a really high quality watch, that's going to be a good, um, and compared to the, the older, larger version of the Pelagos, the new one at 39 millimeters is going to be a much more, um, obvious comparison to a Submariner. And I mean, for a lot of people, this is going to be better, you know, um, if you include things like availability and price and that kind of thing. And, uh, I, I just think it was the sort of thing that I probably would uh, want to acquire on its merits, but then because it's, it's a little in, in the middle of the road, I probably wouldn't wear it as much. I mean, I like stuff that's got like a little quirkiness or a little bit more, you know um, what's the word like a, a built for purpose, kind of a thing about it, you know, an aura. And the 39 is, I think, you know, much more of a, um, a daily driver. I think they really designed it to take the best things that they could, that they could keep with the full sc- the full size Pelagos and basically, um, you know, make it as, as every manable as they could, you know, deleting, making it thinner, basically making it a little smaller, deleting the helium escape valve, making the, the clasp, I think a little bit smaller. Um, ironically, that clasp doesn't seem that much smaller than the, the full size, but maybe that was just my eye. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. And I, it was hard to say no for sure, but I came away actually finding that that thing made me appreciate, you know, either something like the left-hand drive, which is kind of quirky or even the FXD and, you know, the FXD, which I, I passed on before I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a FOMO buy, you know, I I might regret it later, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Now that I've had some context here, of course, the one thing that will throw all of this into a cocked hat for me is next year when they inevitably release the 39 in blue. Right, then right, right. All of a sudden, if they, if they do it the right way with the right blue, then I'm, I'm 100% back on board. Now, I, I like the watch, Greg, but I, I probably wouldn't have it you know be at the top of my list right now. How about you? What did you think?
1: I thought it was great. Um, and I've gotten the sense just listening to folks that, you know, sort of the initial reactions, even if they were like critical, you know, in particular to the bezel and to the dial itself, were probably as people are starting to see that watch in person, I think are they're sort of slowly fading away and dissipating. And I think people most people are pretty much, you know, agreeing, like you said, that it's really it just does a lot. It does a lot. And the things that it, it, you know, it doesn't have from the original kind of big boy Pelagos, uh, quite frankly, don't really mean much to pretty much everybody. So I think it's awesome. I think people were pretty stoked on it. We were we were there the day after it got announced at Feldmar and uh, there was sort of a palpable energy. And we saw we've already seen a few in person. So um, people have them on the wrist and it's really cool to see. And I think it's a pretty compelling part of the whole Pelagos lineup.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know a, a number of people um, either bought pretty much on the spot, and I think another, a number of other people immediately went on to a list for it. Um, you know, uh, Ike made this, you know, we saw his and, yep. uh, you know, uh, Matt, we, he was not wearing his at the baseball game, but the other Matt. Yep. Uh, Jack, watching, Jack, watch, Jack had his on too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of people definitely capitalized here in Southern California right away. So we'll be seeing him around. I think it's yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But we'll put that one to bed for now. But yeah, that was a super fun event. Thanks to Feldmar and Tudor for putting that together. And we literally saw it, you know, 24 hours, I think, after it was announced. So,
0: yeah, I was stoked. I I had a feeling something was coming. I was like, why? Why are we just having a a random mid-year event? Um, And that's a good one. I personally, like I said, I I like it. Um, I do. I have one bit of housekeeping before we go on because we kind of mentioned this a minute ago the fact that we we haven't recorded in a minute and that is um just to kind of say thank you to Serge the Resplorer. responses to his episode have uh really really been very very positive but the the housekeeping piece is and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people if you listen to podcasts you're aware of this that there has been a a system wide issue not affecting every show not affecting every episode but for um the hosting platform SoundCloud porting over to Apple. And what we will do, that what we had to do last go round was, you know, let the episode sit and marinate for a few days. And when it eventually we realized it wasn't going to port over, we deleted the episode and reloaded it and then it worked good. Um, rather than do that this time, we may, if if the, you know, problem has not been fixed on SoundCloud's end, um, A, we may be exploring other options like the Grenado. Uh, but for the time being, what we will probably do is just literally edit up a second, very slightly different episode, maybe with a, a slightly different episode number, like an episode, you know, X B instead of, you know, X and just let them sit side by side. Hopefully that won't happen, but I just wanted to to point that out early on. So anyhow, what do you say? Do you want to get into our first topic? We've kind of got two today.
1: Yeah, I think we have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, some things that have sort of been, obviously, uh, well, quite frankly, both of have been sort of in development for some for some time. And uh, yeah, let's just jump right into the to the event. What do you think?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think maybe we can start by if why don't you give us a breakdown of what you think of the beer because the beer is the the centerpiece of the event. Or do you want to talk about the event first?
1: Uh, let's. I think we can put them together in, a, in an interesting way. Let's start with the beer. So so for those of or local in Southern California, you, you've probably either been to Overtown with us, or we've talked with you about it. Um, and even if you're not local, we post about it a lot because we're over there. They're they're great to us. They're great people. Beers are fantastic. And so we thought, gosh, how long ago was this now? It must've been three or five months ago. How long ago well, do you I think,
0: think this it, sort of birthed? Well, the beer actually, I mean, it, the Sirius project began about five months ago, but talking five about it was probably five or six months before that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we thought it was going to be the coolest thing to, to basically work on a, on a private beer, uh, with our friends at Overtown and they were receptive to the idea, which is incredible and, and speaks to sort of the, uh, approachability that they have, even though they're making fantastic beers on their own all the time for them to be open, uh, to, to us joining in on this, on this project. And so it had to be a barreled beer, right, for us. I mean, we talk a lot about spirits, wine. So, you know, I I think a non-aged beer would certainly have been fun and interesting. But in order to tie it back into the podcast, we thought it had to be barreled. And so we were able to source, as Matt mentioned earlier, a new Riff bourbon whiskey barrel from our friends at Mission Liquor, uh, a couple locations out here in Southern California. and, And there's fantastic David Driscoll's. The, uh, the sort of the man behind the uh, curtain there and, um, and, a, and an alum of the podcast. And so we got a full barrel from those guys, brought it over to Overtown. And they already started to put together some ideas based on the fact that it was a bourbon barrel, what, the, what we might do. And, and as we talked about it, what's typical of a, of a bourbon barrel aged beer is usually something like a stout, right? Something in the heavier, darker uh, uh, kind of beer profile. And they thought just to make this sort of different and unique, let's use an amber ale. So fast forward, you know, and, and working with, with everybody over there, and, and they were fantastic. We have what is basically an amber ale aged for two months in new rift bourbon barrels. The ABV comes out at 5.8%. It is dark. I think Matt mentioned it earlier. A lot of people, when we were when we when we had the event, which we'll get to in a moment, also commented on it. It's dark, it's rich. Um, there's lots of notes that you might expect, you know, from, from the bourbon, you know, the vanilla, um, a little bit of sort of, you know, the, the wood and the oakiness. Um, and there actually is, I think, you know, a couple of us have mentioned this too, a, a slight hint of the bourbon itself too, but I don't get it until the end as sort of on the, on the out, you know, on the, if you breathe out after you enjoy a, a sip, that's when I get a little bit of taste of that bourbon and that whiskey, um, but all through the beginning, you know, it's more of those caramel or, you know, vanilla notes and, and sort of the Oak notes, um, super enjoyable, nothing but positive feedback from everybody that's had it so far, Matt, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I agree with you. I mean, especially the, the last bit, as far as the, um, the actual bourbon component, you know, having it taste like there's a little bit of the whiskey character in there and it is very much at the end. It is not at, at the front of the palate. Right. So when you, first get the nose on this beer it you know it doesn't nose up like a stout you know it is not um it's not bitter this is uh i don't know how they hopped it but it, the hops the residual characteristic is is pretty mellow and like you say it's got a lot of the wood characteristics in this it is as you say also very it is dark it this looks like it's going to be a stout it is not heavily um carved i i would like it if it had maybe a little bit more but what are you going to do But, um, it's certainly not flat, but I, and I'm very happy about the fact that there's not, you know, that whiskey doesn't hit you over the head. It's not, you know, like that artificiality that you, you get in some beers. And that's what I've tasted in the past. You know, when you've got something that's described as like, oh, it's, this is a bourbon barrel stout. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's a stout and you poured a couple of, you know, fifths of whiskey into it or something and stirred it up. It's it's not subtle at all. This is on the other hand is really good. And um so far everybody has been super complimentary about this.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, the last thing I'll I'll mention before we maybe get into, you know, how people have tasted it and why we have feedback on it, um, is that uh it's pretty it's pretty crushable. Now I wouldn't say it's like along the lines of like their, you know, Oye Compa, which is their Mexican lager, which you literally could drink like, you know, a six pack of those and not even realize what you just did. Um, But for a dark, as you mentioned, you know, barrel aged, um, again, it's an amber, not a stout. This goes down. You could knock a few of these back without really paying attention to it, you know? And so, um, you know, I think there's an approachability to also the profile of it where it looks like you said, it's pretty dark. It might look a little bit daunting or maybe like, Ooh, one and done. Um, This thing is sneakily, uh, you know, sneakily crushable.
0: Yeah, totally. You can this is not one of those, you know, big uh, big heavy things or something that's super bitter where you you know maybe you enjoy it for that, you know, that first pint and then you move to something lighter. You could definitely have two of these in a row, three of these oh, yeah. in a row easily. Do so, yeah, do so in the comfort of your own home. Speaking you know? of which,
1: or or in the comfy confines of Overtown Brewing, um, which is in Monrovia. So, we get to the release. So we've been working on this, like Matt mentioned. Let's just say five months between, you know, sourcing the barrel, filling the barrel, barrel aging, canning, etc. Before that, another five months sort of, of gestation of thinking about it. How do we what are the logistics? So give or take, you know, eight or ten months of planning, and it all culminates in an amazing, just fun evening at Overtown in partnership with Chrono Group, OC Chrono and Chrono Group. And uh, special shout out to Mike Heyman, uh, another um, Spirit of Time alum, two-time alum, uh, who is sort of the you know founding founding and sort of driving force of Chrono Group. And so they were kind enough to fit us into their um, their monthly schedule. And we got a ton of people out from from this watch enthusiast group. If you're local in, in Southern California and, and in the West, you're probably quite familiar. Um, they have outposts in, in Salt Lake and San Diego and L.A. and Orange County and actually newly in mexico city so you're you're familiar probably if you're out our way but but nationally uh, if you're not familiar they're just an amazing collector enthusiast group they do fun stuff um on the regular but they also do their monthly meetups which we've been both fortunate enough and and had a, a great time attending and and so they were they, they they worked with us to bring out a great crowd we had of course a number of friends that wanted to come out and support some of them are crazy watch nerds and enthusiasts like us and some of them were sort of regular regular people with an interest in either beer and or watches and we had to have i don't know what do you think 40 45 folks at overtown that night
0: yeah i think so i think uh it was in that range somewhere between maybe 35 and 50 people and it was you know a fair number as you say a fair number of people and we were fortunate to meet some new people right met some new friends people who are interested in watches they have a, a passing interest in it, but they're not necessarily part of like the quote unquote community. And for some people, this was an, I think, you know, their first exposure to this. I mean, you know, um, Mike Gavinia, right. Uh, brought a couple of his buddies and, you know, we found out after the fact that one of, one of his guys that attended was like, so stoked at the, the community and all the stuff that he saw, including some just amazing, like, uh, incredible Omega pieces this guy who, you know, is no slouch. I mean, he, he showed up to the party with a, uh, a modern root beer GMT when he was in Vegas. I think he scored two or three heavy hitter, you know, Omegas, including what, like the, uh, that the Aquaterra world time, that blue dial, mm-hmm. that, that thing's a stunner. I think Which
1: Dre uh, live reviewed for us.
0: Yep. And I think he also got a, uh, a bronze gold Seamaster 300. So Um, Yeah. And then just, you know, getting to meet people that I've never met, you know, um, finally met Ike. Ike made this. Thanks for coming, dude. Um, Ike had one of the new uh, Pelagos. That looks rad. Um, And then finally, also finally actually crossing paths with none other than Morgan King, you know, knowing that we work and live in the same area. And I've like missed him at so many things. So to finally actually meet that dude and be like, hey, man, you know, shake his hand chop it up for a few minutes i feel like i can i can die happy now he's real he's not bigfoot
1: it was so fun it was so fun again you know we're gonna if we even pretend to shout out everybody we're gonna forget somebody and i I certainly don't want to oh, yeah. come, come across as not being thankful but again big shout out to mike haymond all the OC, uh, oc chrono and chrono group um folks um you know we had our buddies from the the out of time podcast of course and a uh, bunch of uh, alums who've been on the show, Chase, Orology 411 and just a lot of great friends, people we met, you know, listeners who we hadn't met in person before. You know, someone made a comment, it's weird hearing your voice in person, used to hearing it over, you know, the car stereo or earbuds. And so that was kind of a, a funny comment, but it was just a super fun time. Uh, so thankful for Ryan and Carlos and Allison at Overtown uh, for not only putting the beer together for us, but being so, um, you know, hospitable. Uh, we had a keg, and then a number of cans. We essentially kicked three quarters of the keg. And I think they served it, you know, the next week for, you know, as a kind of special pour for for the regular guests that come into the brewery. And then we had a number of cans that folks were able to take away with them um, and enjoy at home. And it was, it was so much fun. It was everything I think we hoped it would be and more. And we're just so thankful for everybody's, you know, sort of support, but also just to hang out, just to, to catch up you know, enjoy a beer and, 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 and do it someplace with, uh, that we enjoy and with people we, we enjoy.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, when you think about it, that's really the mission of this pod, right? Was to kind of stand in for our inability to get together live. And that's been great. And I think the other thing that we try to make an effort to do a little more frequently, you know, than some other folks is just actually talking about, you know, the, the spirits, the beer, kind of the adult beverage part of our, our shared hobby. You know, some people are into, you know, sticks, they do do the cigar thing or, you know, watches and cars. But, you know, for us, we're talking about this and, you know, we kind of, what is it? Put our, our money where our mouth is and put our beer where, well, where, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say?
1: <laughs> the beer went in the mouth. Um, I don't know. Awesome. Anybody that was there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun to hang out with you. And, uh, and for everybody that kind of follows along and listens, thanks for kind of encouraging us and supporting us and making us feel like not only talking into a mic in front of a computer and sharing it with everybody is not only acceptable, but fun. And then encouraging us even furthermore to go out there and, and make a private batches of beer. Cause it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. Concur. And I think based on the feedback and and everything that we learned, I, I think we're at a place now where we're thinking of maybe doing this maybe two or three times a year, if we can make that happen, maybe not, you know, doing a barrel aged beer every time, but you know, having a get together You know, in the San Gabriel Valley area in in Los Angeles, there's a lot of us here that do watches, but this is probably the most underserved area. So maybe we can carve out a little niche. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. So thanks again, Overtown, Chrono Group, OC Chrono, um, and everybody that came out and and everybody that sort of sent notes uh, of encouragement and, and cheers. So we appreciate you guys.
0: Yep. Here, there's like, we'll do a virtual toast right here to all those folks. Thanks for, thanks for coming. I don't know. A, a can hitting the glass doesn't have the same dramatic <laughs> effect, but I'll just good yeah, enough.
1: good yeah. enough for me.
0: It's cheap glass. What are you gonna do?
1: I, on the other hand, I have my Overtown branded glass. I don't know if you noticed that.
0: I did notice that. Yeah, good. no, that's solid. I've got this <laughs> a uh, kind of a, a, a tulip. You know, we can get some light behind it. You can kind of say, you, "You folks, you can't see this." I'm holding this thing up to the light so Greg can kind of see the. There's a little bit of translucence to it, but not much. It's pretty dark for an Amber. It's pretty dark.
1: I was joking beforehand, of course, as, as we are wont to do, Oh, what, what, what watch are we going to wear? Blah, blah, blah. I had mentioned to you, I wanted to wear an Overtown t-shirt just to keep, you know, pumping up the brewery. Cause we love, we really appreciate what they do. But I was like, Ooh, people, if they've never seen my face before, they might be like asking me to pour beers and stuff for them. And I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to jack up the system that the Overtown crew has. So I didn't wear an Overtown t-shirt um but i did wear this watch my the the 16710 which is why i mentioned it earlier um you know we kept saying I, you were texting me a couple days leading up oh what are you going to wear da, da, da. and it just seemed appropriate to wear this watch there because um if not for this watch then i don't think i would be in this sort of crazy space i certainly wouldn't be doing a podcast with you and so you know this watch sort of set me off onto finding out finding more people that do this thing and and talking about it in ways that are you know fun and uh and beyond just sort of you know locating the the watch that you want on your wrist and anyway this was supposed to be the one watch and done and of course it is not but uh if not for this then we probably wouldn't be here today so that's why i wore it that night and it seems sort of a apropos to wear it this evening as we talked about everything
0: yeah no that's a great watch i um I ended up wearing, uh, well, I double wristed and I wore the, uh, the Tatima military chronograph because for me, although I don't wear that watch on the daily very often, that's probably, you know, one of the most evocative sort of hobby centric pieces that I have. And it's the thing that sparks a lot of passion for me. So I guess that we have that in common anyhow.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. So, well, speaking of what we wore on our wrists for the amazing, uh, riff in time, beer release at Overtown Brewery in partnership with Chrono Group. Uh, let's talk about what we've had on our wrist for maybe the last few weeks. We've been lucky enough to score some pretty sweet uh, watches that we've been dying to really get our mitts on. And we've been lucky enough to to source them directly from um, some pretty great people.
0: Yeah. So we should start out actually by thanking VJ Geronimo and Josh uh, from Oris. I think you know at this point those guys have made the rounds and everybody knows if you listen to watch podcasts obviously you've probably heard at least one or two you know shows hosting one or more of those guys so i think people are familiar with that and i will say um you know that cool sense of like you know everymanedness and and down to earth accessibility that you get from the brand from oris uh it's absolutely genuine it it is a top down thing Uh, And I was really, really happy to hear back from them that we were going to be able to get some watches in in for review, especially a couple of unusual pieces, because as much, you know, attention rightfully as they get for, you know, these different releases from the Aquas line and, you know, the pointer date LEs and special watches and the bronze watches and all that stuff. There's a couple of watches. I mean, this just speaks to how deep their bench is. There's a few things that are just absolutely epic that I don't think anybody's really talked about or really had a chance to review it kind of in the podcast space. And we were fortunate to get our hands on a couple of these things. So thanks to them, Vijay and Josh, um, Greg, do you want to kind of lead off? And cause we each basically have a watch to review. Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah. And, and we basically, the way we split it up just for this episode, was sort of each person take the lead on their thoughts and, and, uh, and sort of their hands on with, with these two watches, but we both, had a chance to spend time with the other as well. And um, they were quite different from each other, but like you yeah, said, extremely was, different. Yeah. Oh, I mean, night and day, but um, speak to the range sort of, of, of Oris. And, 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 to say that too, you know, I think, you know, at least over the last few months and, and, and maybe over the last year, year and a half, there's been some really high profile releases from Oris. And I wouldn't say that neither of these are of the ilk, You know, but there's been a lot of attention paid to, you know, let's say, for instance, some of the Aquas releases. Um, uh, Of course, some of the um, Diver 65 um, releases. So I I don't want to say these are flying under the radar, but I feel like those have certainly been covered by a number of folks. And I liked how we had some, you know, a couple of things that were um, less often discussed that we had a chance to really spend time with and and form some opinions on. So I started off with the um, the Aorus Rectangular. And... I really appreciated having a chance to um, see that in person. I think when they announced that, which was probably not this last this year, but the previous year, I thought it was a really smart play by Oris because that's a space, especially where Oris plays, that is not that was ripe for 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 some additional players, right? And I think immediately, if you think to yourself, okay, rectangular watch, I think you're most people would very quickly go tank. Reverso, uh, and then maybe some more obscure things. Longine ha- has, of course, that uh, Dolce Vita. Um, there's a few kind of, you know, Seiko kind of quartz options. Uh, there's even sort of that Bolova, Frank Sinatra uh, quartz option. Outside of that, I just don't know that there's a lot of really viable options for the enthusiast. Um, and those are very, very different price points. So I thought the Oris Rectangular filled something that a lot of people have been very like, rectangular curious uh, over the last three, four, you know, three, four years. Um, it's nothing new. If you're a Cartier fan, nothing new if you're a JLC fan or Reverso fan. Um, but people who weren't maybe didn't think that they would be open to a non-circular watch all of a sudden were like, Oh, wow, there's, there's some really, you, you could do something that has a different look and feel. So I thought the artist rectangular was really cool to have in person. Um, the strap on it is really really, really nice. I think the, the, the strap on it, I think is meant to stay on it. Um, and on my big crown pointer date, 80th anniversary, it's a good strap. Uh, this was another level up, uh, in terms of sort of the, the malleability, the softness of the leather. I think it added to it. Whereas on the big crown pointer date, the 80th anniversary that I have, I think it's a suitable, you know, um, strap, but for this one, it was actually sort of a highlight of the watch Uh, it's very evocative of sort of Art Deco style, um, you know, beautiful stepped case. Um, I think it has loom, which is actually, you know, surprising and nice on sort of a a dress or dress adjacent watch. And I think what I came away realizing was if you, if you think you want a tank or you think you want to sort of go down this route, but you're not sure, if you want to make sort of the investment either monetarily or, or maybe you just like to disperse your funds in different ways, or maybe you're just not sure how often you're going to wear it and, and you sort of want to get a feel for it. Or if you really just want something different and I'm not saying, you know, Cartier's Cartier is having a moment. I think that's been clear where right? everybody in sort of the watch blogosphere has been talking about Cartier for about a number of years now. And that's not new to anybody who loves Cartier that they've had a long and rich history. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is I'm kind of being a little bit dancing around the bush a little bit here, beating around the bush. If you want something that's not a Cartier, but you're look you're liking that look, I don't know why you wouldn't look at the Oris Rectangular. I think it has kind of the brand prestige you're looking for. It has the look and feel that you're looking for. I think it's accessibly it's accessible, uh, which is nice. Um, and I think it just offered a lot of really compelling reasons to to enjoy it beyond. Of course, you know, the quote unquote value proposition, which is sort of the the most overused term and sort of watch uh, uh, journalism or watch media. Um, That said, it's it's small in dimension, which I think if you're not used to that, that kind of watch, I think is a little bit of a uh, learning curve uh, in terms of comfort and sort of, you know, wrist presence, especially if you're wearing, you know, larger watches or beefier watches, of course, you know, circular watches as well. Um, I will say the dial itself is a little small. I think reading it is not super, I don't want to say not super legible, you can easily tell the time, but unless you've got, you know, you're kind of trained your eyes on, on sort of that, that size of a dial, I think it's a little bit, you know, it's not the quick glance, most legible thing that you've ever seen. It's not a diver. It seems
0: like right. I'm sorry to interrupt. But it. It. Uh, I'm. I've got the watch in front of me right now, and it does seem like the fact that you know the Art Deco sort of cue, right, is that the it's going to be pretty stark, and yeah. it's it is legible, but the it's relatively low contrast. The handset to the markers on the dial because the handset is not big, and That's some right. of the markers, some of these stick indices are, so they they're almost as long as the handset. So it's you know depending on how things line up, you know it just it's not illegible but it takes maybe an extra second so i see what you mean you know like a a dive watch might have you know really uh, uh you know a lot of contrast and this one has less
1: that's right that's exactly right and the date window is 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 quite miniature quite frankly i think that would be my if i had one complaint and i don't know how you would even address it i just think the date window is is quite small you know to the naked eye um Other than that, I mean, so we had the blue, the Navy, the Navy blue um, dial in, and it comes on a, on a, on a Navy blue strap as well. Um, It's awesome. It's got a great, you know, great kind of look. You can dress it up, dress it down. I think a lot of people, when they look at these watches, they think they can't dress it down. You absolutely can throw that thing on some distressed suede or leather. um, And you all, you know, with some shirt, uh, 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 jeans and a t-shirt and you're in business. And then obviously, you know, it's relatively formal looking. It, It easily you know, fits in with sort of business and, 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 and business casual attire. It slips under a cuff. Um, but you could wear this thing on the weekends too. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it's something that when people ask me what else is out there besides sort of the usual suspects in this sort of genre or this sort of ilk, um, it's something I always pointed people toward and had sort of seen it, you know, very, very much in passing. It's just to be able to spend, you know, a week, two weeks with it gave me, it basically affirmed what I thought about it. It's a, it's a fantastic option in its own right. And, um and I think it offers something different for folks who, who might be uh, really interested in this style and look.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoy it at first, you know, cause we didn't really, we requested this watch specifically, right. And, but not the specific color. And at first I thought, okay, it's blue. It's cool. You know, I haven't seen that one yet. Open it up. I was like, yeah, okay. It's, I think I might prefer like the lighter dial, right? I I think it's kind of a, a white, almost like an opaline dial on a, on the yellow strap. And I've seen that one. And that one I think does have a little more contrast, but the more I've spent some time with the blue, I wore it myself. It's definitely more wearable for me. Um, you know, that's just, it's, it's got more of a, you know, I don't know if unisex is the right word, but it's, you know, it worked well on my wrist. And then, and this is kind of funny, but my wife grabbed this thing and was like, this is, this is great. Like she loves the form factor, but my wife has to have a second hand for her. Her daily driver has to have, um, running seconds and, you know, preferably center seconds. Cause it's gotta be pretty visible because she, um, ironically, uh, she uses it for pulsations, right. For work. So she can't do something as much as she likes, you know, the smaller Cartier tanks. They don't have second hands. You have to get mm-hmm. them. You know, and those, those start to end up be kind of, you know, beefy, masculine in, in orientation. And that's where she's kind of like thinks that, well, I won't say Cartier has lost the plot, but that's basically becomes a man's watch at that point. Seiko used to make something like this, but now, um, you cannot find the references that they make now don't have the center seconds. So the idea that this has a running seconds, center seconds, and a date for her is perfect. Um. And I, you know, I found that I wore this watch at least as much as I thought I would. Like you say, on that blue strap, it matches perfectly. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a high-low thing, but yeah, you could absolutely take this off. And by the way, I I don't notice, I don't know if this is the case on all of their sort of newer references, but the, certainly the two watches that we're going to talk about, the rectangular watch does come with that quick detach strap system you know, or the quick release or, or whatever. Um, so you could easily, you know, swap that out and put it on something, like you said, like a distress canvas, it just has to be kind of a lighter weight, you know, so it's not thick, but I also love the fact that this is, I mean, when you think about it, this is kind of right in between size wise in this form factor. It's not, it's not big, you know, like the, the large Santos or, or like the larger reversos, but it's not as small as a, you know, the smallest tanks. But this thing is automatic, right? This movement, it's an ETA clone movement, right? But it hacks, it hand winds. And it's not, it's a little thicker than those other options, but it is not thick on the wrist at all. I mean, when you consider how small this is for an automatic and for all of the kind of the convenience that buys you, um, I think it's pretty great. You know, my wife is agnostic, you know, automatic hand wound or quartz. She probably would prefer quartz, but geeks like us, Automatic all the way, man. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, I mean, it, go look up the dimensions. Unless you're familiar with sort of this this shape of case, it's kind of hard for you to imagine it. But it's you know 25 and a half by 38 millimeters. It's diminutive on the wrist, but uh, it has presence once you're used to it. You know, and I think um you know what Oris is doing is is sort of covers everybody's bases, and I think um, this is something that would appeal to a lot of folks. Um, and I'm curious how many people have really had a chance to, to, to have this one in person, you know, like you said, the, the ability to switch straps on this is, is beautiful. And, uh, and I had a chance to do that. So we'll, we'll throw up a bunch of, a bunch of good photos on, on the spirit of time website. So folks can see the different looks and feels that we put on this one, which I, I just really appreciated. It was really a different watch every time you put it on something new.
0: Yeah. It seems like it is low key. Like you would not think this would be a strap monster. It seems like it's a strap monster. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you, um, I don't want to put you on the spot. I didn't say I'd ask, I didn't tell you that I would ask you this, um, whether or not leaving aside the question of whether or not this watch is a quote unquote buy for you. Um, cause we talked a little bit about this, like with Oris's dabbling in different materials and stuff like that. Could Oris charge a thousand dollars more and make this watch in nine karat gold? We,
1: we talked about they, this off yeah. Yeah. They, we talked about this offline. I think this, this would be, so they're, they're, we're starting to see some, some play into that, right? You had the, the Aquus with the gold bezel chapter. Yep. Um, and of course we saw the wings of hope um, big crown, which is special and unique, but you know, has a gold case. Uh, they're playing there. This to me, as you just mentioned, is the, the sweet spot to, to take that to the next level. So I was looking for watches, a watch in this ilk, you know, not that long ago, but I, I w- it had to be yellow gold. I just had in my mindset. It just needed to be yellow gold. This in yellow gold would have been an absolute home run slam dunk. Um, you know, this case, this look just really begs to be in a precious metal sometimes, And, um, and like you said, the ability to, to maybe do that upcharge slightly again, retail on this, if you're on the Oris website, 1950, I think there's room, like, as you're mentioning right now to go a little up market with a precious metal and maybe you keep it, like you said, nine carat, and that keeps price, you know, price consideration. All of a sudden you have folks that are really gold curious. And we, we've been talking about that with, with the guys at Risk cheese and the guys at uh, whiskey and watches you're keeping that price point and something they're comfortable with, but they're getting a chance to experience something that's, you know, yellow gold. Um, I think you get a lot of buyers.
0: Yeah. I think you might too, especially if it was something, you know, that wasn't, um, an obvious play, you know, 18 karat gold, you know, but I mean, that would, that would also obviously be great, but, um, you know, a nine karat gold or take a, uh, you know, a page out of the Tudor playbook and do this watch in, you know, 925 silver. Oh, um, Because how cool would that be if it had, this watch would look so cool if it had that little, um a little tendency to kind of patinate and take on that little gray, kind of almost gray-black underlying spider web kind of patination that you 100%. see. Like, so how cool would that look? It would look and, like...
1: And we talked about too, like... T- steampunk. T- you know, I don't know exactly, given the case construction, I don't know how two-tone might be possible, but if you could play with some two-tone, you know, construction, you know, now that you mentioned that, that 925, that really reminds me, I was really hot on on the um, Seiko Laurels, um, not the Laurel Alpinist, but the Seiko Laurels that were also a re-edition in maybe the, I want to say early 2000s, maybe late 90s, someone will probably correct us. Um, there was some circular case shapes and there was also some rectangular, actually more like my Omega DeVille sort of in that Cartier Tartu shape. Um, But it's a a 925 silver case with a 18 karat gold bezel. I'm going to find it and send it to you. But again, just interesting metals um, would be really cool on this. Um, You know, it's not really news to anybody. We're not breaking anything here by saying, you know, gold is in, yellow gold is in, two-tone is in, Uh, alternative metals are in. We did a whole episode on it with Chase. Um, But this one in particular, I think this watch is, is really begging for it.
0: Yeah. I think they could do it. You know, obviously it would add significantly to the price, but it would still be way under just about anything else. And, you know, other than obscure vintage and the idea of having kind of a modern, reliable, you know, basically a, a gold watch, you know, with a a modern, reliable movement, automatic, you know, that, that could be worn every day if you're in an office environment, or if you just wanted to, you know, rock something super cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like you said, you get all the sort of, you know, the look and feel you're looking for, modern sensibilities and technology and reliability. Um, I think a price that is accessible for lots of folks. And, um, you know, all things aside, it's just a cool freaking watch. I think it's a style that people could pull off more often than they think. Um, yeah, I made a joke a long time ago with somebody. I said, how many, how many stainless steel, circular stainless steels? A watch is good you have on bracelet and of course the person said to me infinity but uh for me i just you know i need to change it up so much you know from time to time and, and this is a way to do it so great watch yeah. loved it and
0: I'm, I'm seeing that seiko laurel that you just sent over that that looks pretty cool dude
1: <laughs> i was hot on that for a minute i still it's still stuck in my like save searches so we'll see one day yeah. it's, a, it's a cool watch
0: yeah that works well, hey, so you know, I think that kind of does it for the rectangular. Except to, you know, just to say, yeah, it's got my my absolute seal of approval on it, and I thank you very much to to these guys at Aorus for letting us take this uh, for an extended test drive. It's an amazing piece. It's hasn't gotten enough attention, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. So
1: tell us, tell us what you kind of, what, 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 which one we also had that you wanted to focus on.
0: Well, I've got another amazing piece from them that hasn't gotten, in my opinion, enough attention. This is the, and this is a mouthful, dude. So we've teased this before uh, on a previous episode, but we, the one I'm holding right now is the big crown GMT Riga, Rega, Riga. I think it's Riga, Riga fleet, GMT limited edition. So this is the, it's basically it's their pilot style GMT watch. Um, and it is associated with, or made in association with, um, the, that Swiss, uh, aeromedical evacuation and repatriation organization. So they're, I think they're technically a nonprofit. I think they're member driven. And I think the idea is you can become a member on a temporary basis. Like if you go on trips and expeditions and stuff, don't quote me on that, but I think that's how that works and they operate a fairly extensive fleet in inside and outside of Switzerland um mostly of helicopters but also they have uh, a number of bombardier challengers i think that's a the challenger 650s that are um you know configured for you know long range uh aeromedical evacuation you know of of critically injured or ill patients And the idea is if you're a Swiss citizen and you're someplace on the other side of the world and you get sick or you get hurt, um, these, these folks will come and get you, you know, and repatriate, repatriate you in a, you know, medically stabilized condition and get you back to, uh, to CH, but the watch itself, let me just kind of give the rundown. This is a, um, this is 41.5 millimeter case, and it's got that awesome kind of I don't know how you described it. It's almost like clipped lugs, you know, uh, but that mid case that Oris is really famous for. I think your, your uh, pointer date has this, a number of other watches has this. It keeps it really trim. It's a very good, like athletic looking watch. It's 41.5. So, I mean, you know, call it 42 millimeters, but it wears closer to 40, which is cool. Uh, And this, the lugs here are 20 millimeters. So very conventional in that regard, in a good way. Um, Like, the rectangular, this watch is, comes on a strap. It's an extremely thick, beefy leather strap. And it also has the, the quick release, you know, um, flanges. So you can take this thing off the, the strap. I think one of the party pieces of this, and you've seen this, it's got that killer like Oris specific deployant where you don't have to cut up the strap. It's very easily sized, but it's also got that lift. And, and and I don't know if you can hear this, but you know, that lift to open. That's kind of reminiscent of an airline, like an airplane seatbelt buckle. Super cool. Love this. Um, but yeah, basically this thing is, it's driven by an Eticlone traveler. That's my quotation marks traveler GMT. So it's not a pilot GMT. This is the, you know, where the, um, the local hour is independently jumping. This is, you know, the, the GMT hand is independent. Um, but still very, very useful. It's based on the SW, what is that? The 330-1, I think. So it's basically like the the GMT function. It's kind of like the, you know, I want to say it's the ETA version would be 2893, I think, you know, is the the GMT version of the 2892. So it's, you know, it's nice and slim and it's just a a really cool watch with a hundred meters water resistance. And What you want to do, think of this is this is they call it like the the Riga Fleet limited edition, but it it really is a series of limited editions all under one umbrella because they let you pick if you're a consumer, they let you pick the aircraft platform. Literally, when you go to the website, it's like step one. Pick the aircraft platform, you know, that you want the LE for. Do you want the, you know, the Challenger, which is the jet, the fixed wing jet? Do you want the um, the Augusta Westland, the Da Vinci, you know, which is kind of the the business class type helicopter, or do you want? Um, I think the other one is the EC, or no, it's the um, the Airbus. Sorry, the H one forty five. So I I know that by its its American military nomenclature, it's the the US uh uh seventy two Lakota. So it's like a light utility liaison and light evac. You know, medevac helicopter but if you've ever seen this thing it's got the kind of a cool cockpit with the the high tail boom that comes straight aft so it's got a clamshell door at the rear of the uh, of the fuselage the engine's up high the rotor system is kind of high and it's got a uh, basically a shrouded fan anti-torque system so it's a, a really cool looking helicopter they they use it all over the world for you know technical rescue and medevac and stuff like that so you pick the airframe that you want or the the airframe type, then you drill down and then you can pick, they actually have for every registration number in this fleet, they have a hundred watches. So the idea I think presumably is if you've ever been in service on one of these airframes, you can get down to the, to the Nat's ass and, and pick which airframe specifically. So like the one that I'm looking at, let me get my glasses on here. This one, this particular model, this is the uh yeah the 145 so the Airbus and it is tail number HB that's Hotel Bravo Zulu Quebec November. So that particular airframe that's what this LE denotes and there's probably a total of about 30 of these. So you know for every every airframe in their fleet they have a series of 100 watches. Anyhow Kind of the the long and the short on this thing, Greg, and you've seen it, it's the case is not, it's steel, it's a stainless steel, but the treatment on it, it is not black, but it is darkened. It's like that kind of that gunmetal kind of gray. It's almost like a PVD, but it's a clear PVD. And don't quote me. I don't know that it is PVD. It just looks like that. But, um, you know, the finish on it is super, super clean. There's no marks on this thing. It's got that cool kind of, you know, it, it reminds me of like turbine, like compressor, you know, outer compressor section, fan blades. That's sort of the, the indication or in that the indications, the, like the crenellations that they've put in both the crown and the, the bezel it's a bi-directional bezel You can kind of hear this now, maybe you can't. Yeah, we got that. Okay. So bi-directional bezel action on this is superb. It's really, really good. Um, the this is kind of hard to appreciate but as somebody who's owned Rolexes before and you you have a, a Rolex you've got a GMT Master as well for all of the the compliments that they get on their bezels honestly the bezel action is good they're just not that grippable they're just not um you know the submariner maybe is a little different the sea master and not the sea master I'm sorry the sea dweller you know where it's just a, a bigger bezel um and the Basically the cuts are kind of at a 45 degree angle and not a coin edge, but, you know, compare this to something like, you know, the tutor, which I love, but it's got a coin edge. It's real thin around the outside and you really have to be dainty about how you grab it to, to actuate the bezel. Not with this thing. It's so well integrated the way the bezel is designed. It looks like it's fixed but you can really get a hold of it from just about any angle and give it a spin. It's got the the red triangle at 12 to kind of mark it and it is a pulsations bezel and that's important. So this is supposed to be you know for for crews of these aircraft who are, you know, transporting patients. So the idea of having a pulsations bezel that is, you know, bi-directional is a good idea. And it is there that Oris um the aesthetic that they have on their pilot style, that handset. I don't know what you would call this handset. You know, there's different terms for the, the taxonomy of handsets, kind of escapes me, but it is, you know, it's not an arrowhead hand. It's not needle. It's not instrument hands. It's not um, leaf hands or whatever. It's kind of sword it's all, hands, right? Kind of, yeah, but it's almost, they're sort of almost inverse. They're, you know, where they're bigger at the base. There's a lot of loom material and it is highly, highly, um, you know, visible. So it, it's got that good blue loom. Everything is good. The one thing I think that is a bit of a drawback on this watch that could be better is, and I'm sure it would be extremely expensive to do it. This is a, a, a watch at a decent price point. It would probably blow the budget. I would love to see the the bezel loomed. The idea is if you've thought about putting a bi-directional pulsations bezel on this watch, it would probably make sense if, if people could see it better in low light cause that's a, that's an important feature on the watch. Um, but it is, uh, otherwise I think really, really well executed. The other piece of this that I think is so cool, frankly, is the fact that it is, it is GMT. I'm not a huge believer. I like pilot it, you know, the quote unquote pilot GMT, just because it's, it's cool. But the reality is for the most part, that's really for somebody who's changing time zones multiple times a day. You know, most people, a traveler, you know, or or a quote unquote caller, office GMT user, you just need it to be set, you know, to the, the other time zone that you need. So in this case, you know, GMT would be for making your radio calls or your flight planning, and you don't need to reset it a lot. But the fact that they they could have easily skipped the GMT feature on this because they've they've done that with other aviation based LEs, and they're they're cool watches. But this is just goes, I think, the next step to making it be useful. Um, it's got good water resistance. I think really the only other thing, other than that loom bezel, that I would like to see as good as the strap is. I think this would be better on a bracelet. They've done that bracelet with this um, this buckle really well in some of their pilots' watches. I, I think it would be cool if that was an option. Because if you're when you think about this, if you're a uh, you know, let's say you're not a pilot, you're part of the the air crew, and you're you know a paramedic or something like that there's a good chance that this is going to get gunky. And I think Zinn did a good job anticipating that when they did their EZM, you know, uh, a flight crew watch for aeromedics. you know, they made it very, you know, washable. You can break the thing down because they anticipate it's going to get, it's going to get dirty. It's going to get hazmat and fluids and icky. Um, That's the only thing I probably would change on this. Otherwise, though, I really, really like this watch. The relief, even the relief on the case back, which is, you know, kind of a small detail. I know a lot of people think it's corny. I think it looks bitchin'. It's, you know, it's basically a, a relief picture of the the actual helicopter. Highly detailed. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So you got a chance to wear this. What did you think of it?
1: I, I really liked it. I think uh, in some ways, I think the the case lines reminded me a lot of my big Crown. I know that this is in the Pro Pilot family. It's not in the Big Crown family, but I think the lines, uh, although in different dimensions, were similar. So I had a a good sense of how it might feel and where and what the the look of it might be, which I really appreciated. Um, you know, this being a you know a, a GMT you know caliber, it, it's it's a different you know caliber, of course. But the my Big Crown has a similar you know has a Slita based uh, uh, uh caliber in it as well i think it's a really solid um enjoyable you know movement and it keeps great time um and i just think it's very tactile very tactile it feels very good in my hands to, to wind to set everything so i really appreciated that um it was a cool look it was just a very cool fun look Um, I appreciated the sort of, you know, the knurling on the bezel, which I think is also matched sort of on the case back as well. Again, done on the big crown, you know, it's a coin edge on the, on the bezel on the big crown and a coin edge on the case back. And this is a a different kind of look and feel, but again, matching the front and the back just shows, I think a a level of execution and and attention to detail. Um, in terms of the GMT, I love the GMT hand. You sort of have that, you know, uh, airplane, you know. Uh, silhouette at the end of the GMT hand. My only, if I had, again, if I had one kind of, you know, critique, I think the, the Rehot, which contains the GMT, you know, hours is the, the font is quite small. So there were times where I had a little bit of difficulty seeing, you know, at a quick glance where the GMT hand was pointing just because the, the fonts on the Rehot are, in my opinion, just a little, a little small to read. Um, But I loved it. I loved the gunmetal treatment. Um, I thought that it was a really subtle but interesting dial texture. And when you put, you know, black, give or take, black, red, and white together, I mean, come on. You know that thing's going to be hot. So it's a great look. Uh, The watch wears well for being, you know, quote, unquote, a little bit above 40. You know, if you want to call that oversized or not, it depends on your, on your, uh, uh, you know, preferences. Loved it. I thought it was a really fun uh, juxtaposition to the rectangular.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan of Bremont and I'm sure Oris probably would not be super stoked that I'm going to make a comparison, but it's going to be very positive as much as I love. I look at, um, Bremont's MB2 as like their Submariner, you know, it's, it's their watch. Um, This compares very favorably to that watch. I mean, I I love the Barton Bakers. I was an early adopter. I had like, literally I had like watch number 180 something that they made. And this compares very favorably to that, very favorably to the MB3, which is the, you know, the Salita based um, GMT version of it. I think this is executed, frankly, a bit better overall, you know, in terms of how usable it is, the fact that the bezel was on the outside. Just everything about this, as you said, it's just got a nice amount of heft without being heavy. It just feels like it's a well, ex- well executed object. The design, everything is is integrated well. I think the only other thing is, I said I I would like to see this on a bracelet. That to me is not a deal breaker. I just think that would be a value add if they did that. Um, I think that the second hand probably needs a little bit more legibility. You know, there's just a a little bit of white at the very end. And visually, it looks very cool because it's ghosted, like the GMT hand. The GMT yeah. hand is ghosted, and you really only see that little that you mentioned—the airplane marker floating around the perimeter of the watch. Well, the same is true of the seconds hand. And in broad daylight, if you're not really using it under duress, that's fine. But again, if you were actually using this watch for its purpose, I probably would want that second hand to be a little more visible because that's what you're—that's what you're getting your pulse on.
1: That's interesting. I think that's fair from a practicality standpoint, but you already said it, but in terms of an aesthetics perspective, I actually quite liked it. It was a, it's a
0: neat look. Yep. Yeah. So this is $3,400 retail that's us dollars. Um, and when you consider how that compares to some other things in the class, given the, the overall integration, you know, I think that's, that's extremely fair. This, it wears smaller than it is, absolute strap monster and it's the kind of thing you know with a screw down crown that you can just you can take out and do whatever you want with because 100 meters of real water resistance is good enough to do most things that you're going to do
1: yeah and if you get up close and and personal with this dial i think the applied markers are really sharp um that's a great dial to look at under a loop and and sort of play around with and see what it looks like and get some of that dial texture it's uh really great um you know in terms of the bracelets like you said i I also had a chance to, to right around the time that we had these in or, or, or at the beginning of when we got these in I, I had a chance to meet VJ and, and Josh in person. they did one of their airstream events uh, here in LA and um, super great people um, the Airstream was really cool to see in person and um, you know really hospitable really enjoyed you know spending some time with them and, and seeing you know what they're building in their community which I think has been very positively received. By the watch community for good reason, and um, yeah, I came away seeing a couple pieces that I hadn't seen before either. I know Feldmar carries most, if not all, of the Oris line, but I had a chance to finally see the the Oris, uh, the the bronze bracelet for the Big Crown, which was just a great bracelet. I'm going to absolutely pick one of those up for for mine. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, as you say, I think the um, this is one of those brands where the accessibility and the quality of the people you know, who are are out there representing it, do such a great job in making, in drawing you in, you know, if you're, if you're an enthusiast, if you're kind of part of the community, it's, it's the personalities, at least as much as the watches that make you feel interested And And I certainly, you know, kind of want to be part of that family. I, I feel a little jealous. You have one of these and I don't, so I don't know. We may have to rectify that in the next year.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I remember when the when the Riga first came out, we were over at Feldmar, and you were like, "Wow, this thing's really cool. I, I need to go see this in person and get a feel for it." Uh, so for to be able to to spend an actual amount of time with it now and and reinforce your initial thoughts, I think uh, sort of basically says everything you just said.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. If it's not clear already, I recommend the watch. It's very cool. So anyhow. I think that'll probably do it for that what do you think do you want to move on to kind of final notes
1: yeah let's do it what do you got
0: you know i don't have anything formal um i would just ask everybody to navigate over to the feed for our buddy bro dinky and take a look at what he's been doing and continues to do for you know his fundraising um for for cancer cancer research and um you know what I think the amount of money he's been able to raise this year has been incredible. I know he's been working with Strap Habit. I know he'd announced recently that um Nomos did come through. I think they're still working out in details, but it seems like he's going to have a pink watch and that may be in the mix for people. Um, so you know, donate, buy a strap, give some money to to Cancer Research, the foundation. Yeah, I think he does real, we're, uh, real men wear pink. Um, I know you know, we basically, we got a strap and I would just ask everybody to go over. I think to a certain extent, it's kind of a shame. So many of us in, again, in the community, in the fam know what he's doing, but the recognition that he's getting, um, you know, from maybe the next level up, you know, in watch media entities, uh, is kind of shamefully lacking. So He's doing great. He's doing good things. If you haven't already purchased a strap, you know, from Strap Habit, the pink strap, the sailcloth, um, or made a donation or entered to win one of these watches that he's given away or, you know, that the brands have given him to give away, uh, go do that.
1: Yeah, 100% second that. Um, I think we're just about to enter into, it's October is breast cancer awareness month, Correct.
0: you know what uh i think that's right i don't have that written down so i don't i don't want to commit to it but i think that's right october or november
1: yep it's october so we're you know there's still plenty of time i think to to jump on that and, and support and and be a part of that not that this is you know uh a, people know this already but it's fun to support people in the in the in the space that are doing good things um yeah nothing i, I don't think anything too crazy i think um we're in our in our group chats. There was a, a, I think a, a recent um, uh, recommendation that was the uh, Omega Atelier de Excellence video, which basically goes into Omega's um, you know uh, kind of the top top uh, uh, you know facilities for for sort of you know handcrafted stuff that people don't realize that Omega does, and specifically on monochrome. Um, monochrome watches. Uh, there's a, a really cool video that came out, um, not too long ago. Um, and I, I would encourage everybody to go watch it. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it was about a month ago, well, a month and change ago. And, um, you know, to get a chance to understand what Omega does beyond sort of, you know, what you see in their regular lineup. Um, the fact that they're still doing a lot of things, you know, by hand, Um, They're doing really special stuff that, that people probably just don't really understand or give them enough credit for. Um, And the video itself is really well done. It's on the, uh, it's on the monochrome website. We'll link to it. Um, And it's just Omega. We've said it a million times. They're doing things that I think are underappreciated by some um, but the, the level of, of expertise um, and sort of, you know, handcraftsmanship that they're still doing, you know, while reserved for, you know, certain parts of the lineup are just up there with anybody in high horology, in my opinion. And so it's just another reminder of that, but it's a very cool, uh, uh, article that Monochrome put together and in, in a video that's sort of in conjunction with Omega.
0: Yeah. I've seen that video. I can recommend it as well. It's, it's very cool.
1: It's amazing. It's, it's, it's again, just, uh, you know, another part of the of the watch universe that maybe isn't highlighted as frequently as, as maybe some of the other things that get, you know, more play. Um, and so, yeah, just appreciate it.
0: Right on. Well, Hey, then let's, uh, let's wrap it up with that. Let's say, uh, the Omega Atelier de Excellence video and Brodinky and cancer research, and we'll have that be the last sip. What do you think?
1: Cheers to that. Thanks again, Overtown. We appreciate all of you. Thanks, Chrono Group, Mike. uh, Mike Heyman, everybody that came out and everybody that's been supporting us. Uh, It's really fun to be on this ride with you. So cheers.
0: Awesome. Salute. Take care, bud. Cheers.
1: We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at spiritoftimepodcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast
0: at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.